0: a new way of being, being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: There is no way you will ever fully understand life conceptually, so answers are made up. Only in the space of silence can you listen to what the moments of life have to say without making up answers. The more attachment there is to your given name, the more this creates a delusional self. When this is exposed, it doesn't lead to you knowing who you are. It leads to an awareness of who you are not. When there's not the constant push or pull to fulfill some self-satisfying pleasure, the mind settles and the universe works with your higher frequency for its betterment. It is the selfish view of satisfying I that keeps you from the vision of seeing your own light. This vision of light only occurs when your view comes from looking inward. The conditioned mind creates a view based on unconscious wanting. It's difficult to break this because most of what is done reinforces this unconsciousness. A conscious mind is simply aware of awareness. Michael Kupo In this episode, Michael Kupo talks about the principles of the conditioned mind and other thoughts in between. Michael Kupo was born in Newark, New Jersey in 1958, and he was one of six children. There was plenty of love in his life, but it seemed he always felt like something was missing. Although he had every opportunity a person could want, for some reason he always made decisions that weren't conductive to his well-being. Michael started using alcohol, drugs, and gambling at the age of 13, and this continued until June of 1987, which is when it seemed like his life went in a completely different direction. He got married, bought a house, and had two children. Although by society standards his life was seen as a success, something was still missing. That's why, he said, it seemed like his life was only better on the material plane. He had still something in him that didn't want to allow him to enjoy life. He has since come to understand what this something was. His struggles with life were all self-inflicted mainly because of the missing ingredient of love in his life. Not the love he was given, but the ability to give love. This is what led Michael to the writing of his book, It's Monday Only in Your Mind, You Are Not Your Thoughts. What he has come to understand is nothing new, but it's unique in the way that he sees it. What he sees is at such a practical level that anyone who thinks they are not getting the most out of their life will be able to understand it. He has since found the peace he always sought, and he has come to understand that it was always there, he just didn't know it. Michael knows it today, and it is why he shares it with others. Here is the interview with Michael Kupo.
0: In your own words, who is Michael Kupo?
2: Michael Kupo is a form that began its its existence August 8, 1958. And my whole uh, process was identifying that form with that name. And as I did this and and as I grew up, the more I attached to this form the more that it seemed that i had problems and um, those problems were created because i constantly made up stories about the way i thought it should be as opposed to the way it was and i've had a very difficult time accepting things that the way they were so I always wanted to be uh, more athletic smarter and I always seemed to want to be somebody else I was never happy in my own skin that's who I was growing up you know until I discovered alcohol and drugs and uh, that took that that inadequate feeling away that void away and um, I chased that for a number of years you know and then uh, what happened was is I had to stop when I was um, like 26, I lost an older brother to uh, addiction. And uh, that kind of forced my parents to, at least force me to look at myself. And that started my journey, really. It saved my life because I would not be alive today if if I didn't stop using, obviously. Right. Do you wanna tell us
0: how you came to that door of change? looking within and and making change in your life?
2: Yeah, well, when I was 28, that's when I stopped using alcohol and drugs. And that started a different direction, but it didn't allow me to look within. What happened was is after 18 years of being clean and sober and getting my life together by society standards, I still had that emptiness, that void. And when I had downtime, I would always use things that were detrimental to my well-being. I would gamble. I would I would actually um, go, you know, go on porn sites and things like that. So what happened was is I had a gallbladder operation about 14 years ago and that started the process of getting back addicted to pain medication. And once that happened, it took me two years to finally say I had to get off it. And I did. I got off it. But I asked myself the question, Okay, well, what's going to be different? Yeah. And that basically started the inner journey because I knew I had life exactly how I wanted it, and yet I wasn't happy. I knew another house, a, a raise. A, I have a good job. I've been there for 31 years. My wife, you know, works, and we have two beautiful children. So my life was perfect, but yet I never really looked at that inner void so what happened was is this forced me to look at that because i knew that it wasn't out there my answer and once i started looking i really so- started discovering answers uh, i read a lot of books i read probably in the first couple years of going through this i probably read about 20 25 books what happened was is they were all pointing me to the conditioned mind and looking at my own mind and and understanding getting to understand my mind Not on an intellectual level, but I started sitting I started just sitting, you know They call it meditation, but I call it just sitting and as I started sitting My mind started to settle because my focus was changing no longer was I focused out there no longer was I looking for my answers out there in, in the next fix, the next this, the next TV show, the next whatever. And it allowed my mind to settle. And it started me uh, to really see life differently. It That was the doorway. To me, the doorway is when you start to sit, not with any expectations, but simply to put yourself in the present moment, because that's what I was doing. I read a few Eckhart Tolle books, and they all pointed to the present moment. And when I started realizing that, that my life was always lived outside the present. And and to me, when, when you talk about Buddhism, that's what the Buddhist talks about. That's the delusion that life is in the past and future. But that's where most people live their lives. But really, the only place of true existence is where your feet are. So true. And once I started seeing that and started developing this discipline, my view of life just started expanding and it just started becoming different. It was just like how I put it is when you live in a present moment, you are putting yourself in harmony with life. And you allow life to guide you. You allow life to show you what is real, what isn't real, what what's truth is. And it's not that I learned these the deep, dark secrets of the universe. What I really learned was the lies that I was living by. See, and once you start exposing those lies and you start seeing that it's not really beneficial for me to live like that, it came over me. You know, it really did. For the first time in my life, I was actually on a, a a weekend retreat. And what happened was, is I was overcome with a sense of peace that I knew I was going to be okay. And I knew I didn't, that there was not nothing outside of me that was going to fulfill me. And it stopped the changing. Now I'm still human. <laughs> All
0: of us, yeah. yeah.
2: So you still have desires. You still like to eat ice cream and things like that. But it's more balanced now. See, it's not about pushing thoughts away. It's not about trying to be something that I'm not. It's just seeing the thought that arises that tells you to go eat a gallon of ice cream and having the awareness, the space to say no. Not because it's bad, because it's not healthy. It takes you out of harmony with life. You have a scoop of it. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: Can you explain to me the sitting? I know we call it meditation. How do you do it? How would you describe the experience of sitting?
2: I have no special position. I don't try to cross my legs. I'm 61 years old. I'm old. <laughs> so I just, I sit in a chair. But, but this can be a 24-7 practice. See, it's all about when you use the breath, you can't breathe in the past or future. So the breath is an anchor to the present. It's the same thing when you use chance. Um, you can't um in the past and future. You can only um now. Same thing with tapping. And so, so many other things when, when you're out in nature and you feel connected, that's because you're present. You're, the mind isn't in control. So that's all I do. When I sit, I use the sensation of to touch. I'll touch my fingers. And you don't need to think about touching your fingers. Once you touch, you're instantly present. So the more that you can develop that discipline just to be present, when the mind wanders, see, you need something to bring you back. You you need an anchor. You need a home, per se. So when the mind wanders, as it will, because you don't have the developed discipline, you have something to come back to. And as you do that, what happens is, is it wanders less and less. So you allow life to to show you things that you previously weren't known because you were blocked by the conditioned mind. That brings us
0: to the topic of conditioned mind. You wrote, the only way one's life will ever change is when the conditioning that makes it so changes. So I have uh, about five
2: questions based
0: on this uh, quote. What is the mind and what are thoughts?
2: My own version of what it is, is like I said earlier, when I started, um, you know, my existence in this form, I said it like that on purpose because I was given this name and then the mind takes over and you spend the rest of your life forming this identification to this name this I, and you become conditioned through inner and outer influences. It's not a right or wrong thing, but your, your parents' religion becomes your religion. You're influenced by schools, by society, by friends, by so many things. And where is the you under there? The mind is what's what we, we come into existence with. The mind is in control when we're in the womb. But it's not conditioned yet. It's like the space itself. Right. To the point where it blocks out love. See, to me, the mind is the essence of love. It's energy. And its essence is love. But not the mind-made story of love. The love that you find in stillness. The love that, the intuitiveness. That's love. When, When you know exactly what's right. You don't have to make up a story about it. You just do what's naturally there. The mind is not what we think. The mind is underneath all that. It's the space. It's the universe. It's all that is.
0: Do you connect thoughts to the spirit?
2: To me, I, my the title of my book is It's Monday Only in Your Mind. You are not your thoughts. Because that's what I saw. I needed something tangible to work with. So I saw how my thoughts... Or actually, you know, and it's said in Buddhism that your worst enemy can't harm you as much as your own unguarded thoughts. So I saw how my thoughts were at the base of my problem. And sure, when when in that space of stillness, you're connected to the spirit, but you don't have to call it that. You, you, because that's presence. You're just connected. And the more that you come from a space of stillness, the more loving your thoughts will be, the less self-centered your thoughts will be. That's the connection. That's the harmony to me. Yeah,
0: that makes so much sense. So talk to me about the conditioned mind. What is it?
2: Well, like I said, with the existence part is there's this I. People call it the ego, but I call it simply I because the ego can have a lot of different interpretations. But I is I. And as you form this I and, and attach to it, you develop a, a delusional existence really, because it always has to have attachment. There's, And it's never the attachment to the thing, it's always the attachment to I. The more ingrained this I attachment gets, the, the less you're truly living life.
0: Do you connect conditioning to beliefs?
2: Yes. It's a direct result. A belief is a direct result of the conditioning because it's a story. The less stories that you make up in your head, the more of a connection you'll have with life. A belief is a story. There's no nothing factual. I always say, stick with the facts. See, I'm a very, very practical individual, and I need that. When I went through my stuff, I used to depend on this God, but if you're gonna depend on this thing out there, you're probably never going to get it, because to me the fact is the only place of existence is the present. It's never anybody's fault that this happens, that happens. I don't think there's a something up there that says you do this, you do that. This happens to him. He wins the lottery. It's just what whatever, whatever it is. The more that you can be with what is, the less of a belief you need. The less stories you have to make up. The more you're you're just present for life. Do you ever use the word God? Early on, I used to. I don't use it too much anymore. It was my connection because that's a conditioning that was there. But as I have evolved, there's less need for that story. There's less need for any attachment, you know? Mm,
0: I like that, Michael. I think you are a lord to give a definition of love. But I would like to ask you the question. What is love to you?
2: It's very difficult to answer that because, and I'll give you my experience of it. But it's it's like the peace that passes all understanding. The problem with that is everybody wants to understand it. Love is just love. It's just a natural thing that happens. See, I don't. I'm not like a practice loving kindness person. I'm more of well, be present, and the more that I'm present the more beneficial I am to humanity, the less self-centered I am. The le- I spent 49 years with the me, me, me mind, and, and not too many people benefited from it except myself. And when, when I uh, had my shift, that's basically what I saw was, I was so uh, engulfed in my own self that there was no way that I would ever be free. Until I learned how to be present. And that's where love arises, naturally, you know, to me anyway. You know, it's you can put a lot of different words attached to it. You can put kindness, be kind, compassionate. But that stuff to me arose naturally once my mind started settling, you know. Yeah.
0: I usually connect um, the, the word love to acceptance and unconditional love. It's still love, but it's unconditioned. Like we're talking about conditioned, mind conditioned, everything. So love is unconditioned. Uh, If you can love that way yourself uh, as the uh, experience in the human body, whatever this is, then I think we are pretty close
2: to it. Exactly. See, people don't know how to love themselves because you wouldn't do the things that you do to yourself if you truly loved yourself. You know, and that's what I really started learning. And it was in the space of stillness that everything that was revealed to me has happened because my mind has settled. See, you get distracted by the distractions that distract you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right. Wow. It can go on and on. Yeah. Yeah, So so
2: (laughs) once you start seeing that the conditioned mind is just a distraction. The whole point why I write my articles and why I wrote my book was to just show people what the conditioning was, see, because if if I can understand myself and if I can understand that I only did what I did because of the way I was conditioned, there's no need for me to forgive myself, there's no need to forgive others. People can only do what they're conditioned to do. That's why, you know, the way it's written in in the Bible when Jesus was on the cross, he said, forgive them for they not know what they do. He didn't say forgive them, they're evil, they're bad. Because once you start understanding the conditioning, how are you going to judge someone else? When you understand that they're only doing what they're conditioned to do, it doesn't it doesn't absolve them from being accountable. but that's where unconditional love comes in because you truly start understanding the world is the way it is because of the way people are conditioned. Uh, and not and this isn't about politics, but our president could only do what he does because of the way he's conditioned. And and both parties and both and religion and and well, people just do what they're conditioned to do. It's it's not inherently right or wrong. How can you not do? And that's what I learned about myself for forty nine years. I could not have done anything different than what I did. Good, bad, or indifferent. People always say you have a choice, but you don't because you don't understand the conditioning in place. true. Once you start understanding the conditioning, this
0: is it. Yeah, absolutely. That goes back to uh, self-love, unconditional self-love, self-knowledge. It goes back to what we call self, but there is the self that's life itself. It's not really like you said. I'm just using words, I, I, because uh, (laughs) the language, right? Right. Yeah, that's.
2: That's what we have. That's what we have to describe things, words. That's what we have to use. But in my book, I call it the I-self. There's the self and there's the I-self.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, true. You say I-self. You connect these words. Right.
2: And they're so different. You know, they're so different. There's, there's one article I wrote once. The three personas of self. There's the self you present to the world. There's the self that you see in the mirror. And there's the self that has been in existence since your form began. And it's always there, regardless of if you turn left, if you turn right, if you eat ice cream, if you don't, if you do this, if you do that. It's always there.
0: Or maybe a self that was never born in the first place.
2: Well, it's, it's all the connection. It, it truly isn't. See, energy, and I work for the energy company in New Jersey. So energy really is, isn't created or destroyed. It's just transformed. So our true existence, you never truly die. What happened was, is 61 years ago, a man and a woman did something that transformed the energy and because of the way we're conditioned, the way the conditions of the universe have formed humanity and formed the earth, take away oxygen, we don't exist. So everything is conditioning to a degree. So once once that transformation happens, then out comes this form. And you're here for a short period of time. And then no longer can this form exist because it the, the conditions, it's just not uh, cooperating. So the form dies, but the energy yeah. doesn't.
0: So what it stays really, was never born, will never die, was never conditioned. It's not conditioned. Not really.
2: Anything. It's just free, yeah. There's freedom. That's when you truly get in touch that there's no separation with you from anyone, from, from the earthworm to me and you. There's no separation. We're different forms, but the underneath the energy is the same. It's How can it not be? When a person is born from their mother and they have a brother and a sister, they can never be separate. They're always from that same mother. And when you take the universe, for example, It's on a larger scale. You're never, ever separated. But the mind will separate.
0: That's where the eye comes in. Right. The mind has, that conditioned mind has its uh, function, I guess, knowing what is low, what's high, what's hot and cold. That's duality.
2: Well, right, right. I mean, there's the sense and all that. I mean, and like I said, I'm not a scholar or anything. I really go by my... um, experience, but it doesn't really have any, um, to me, too much value when it comes to mm. living life.
0: Yeah, because existence, the experience of this life here, your life, my life could become very unpleasant <laughs> if we uh, constantly creating separation and right and wrong. The more you're
2: controlled by your conditioned mind, the more you suffer. To me, that's the basics of Buddhism. The, the Buddha went out there to find out you know, why we suffer, you know, sickness, old age and death. Why do we suffer, you know? And we suffer because of the attachment to I. And that's what the conditioning is. Without I, you would still exist. You would just be free. You know, people would ask me, well, then who's doing the interview? It interacts, but there's no attachment to this interview. You know, I don't I don't look at this interview that, oh, this is great. I'm getting a message out to the world. I'm do-. It's just what's what's there. And it, it's a beautiful thing because I meet people like you and and yeah. I met so many people through Facebook and social media. And it's a good time to to be doing this kind of thing because to me the love that i give to others is the love that i'm given. Ah, beautiful.
0: And yeah. It's
2: it's a beautiful thing and that's the energy. You're going to exist. You exist in this form. So you're going to put out an energy. So what kind of energy do you want to put out? For 49 years i put out a very selfish self-serving energy. For the last 12, 13 years it's been more of an energy of, of stillness, an energy of of whatever arises, and, and a beneficial energy to not only myself, but to humanity. It's the instrument, becoming the instrument and allowing the universe to use you. It's beautiful. Uh, like I was saying to you, I'm not, I never wrote anything. I wasn't a writer. It's a, it amazes me. There's nobody more surprised about that name on that book. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to me about the four
0: principles of the conditioned mind, understanding, attachment, realizing, and practice.
2: It's funny how they came about because I was actually in the gym working out and um, I was listening to a a podcast and and they were talking about the four noble truths of Buddhism. And then I, I started thinking, you know, well, you know, Byron Katie has the four questions. Miguel Ruiz has the four agreements. I said, you know what? I need to write something down like a map. You know, it gives people a solid direction. And that's where the four principles of the conditioned mind came in, because it shows you exactly what is going on and how to break free from it. You know, and that's the the value of them. It's just really uh, the core. And they're not in my book because they actually came out after my book. Uh, they came out like when, I guess, like I was saying, when I was in the gym, but understanding your own mind, understanding if you're not happy with your life or if you're struggling, you have to understand why. Right. And, and without that understanding, You can't just go to a program because all that is is a substitute. You're never getting to the core of why you're unhappy. That's what happened to me. 18 years of being clean and having life exactly how I wanted it, and yet I still got addicted to pain medication. So I was still reaching outside myself. And as long as you're reaching, and that's what a program becomes. It becomes another thing. It's better than the alternative, but you're still not getting in touch With your true self. So once you start understanding that, it just opens up a whole nother world, and you can see how the things that you were attached to are truly the core of whatever it is that causes your suffering. And it's not the thing itself, though, it's always the I. Once you can really start realizing that, and you let go of that, and you can truly let go of that by being in the space. Of stillness. It's a space of the present moment. Once you start sitting and you start developing that discipline, you naturally let go of it. Because you see how its attachment is not beneficial to your life.
0: Mm. I like that. Like you're saying, beneficial or non-beneficial. So pleasant, unpleasant. I like those words better than good and bad and um, separation, right? Those words. The opposites.
2: Right, right. Because nothing is inherently good or bad. That's a label. And the more that you label things the more attached you are to them. True. It creates all these ideas and false beliefs. Yeah. The conditioned mind is diabolical. Mm-hmm. It is so subtle that most people will never really grasp it. Whatever happened to me happened. and It's amazing to see the things that I see, to have the insights that I have. But I attribute it to understanding the mind and being willing to sit. After two years... I knew it was time to stop reading, stop reaching, and to start sitting more. And I don't put no hours on it or anything like that. But there's nobody who can really, and I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but there's nobody who's going to show me anything new. There's nothing new out there. Because if I'm reaching for another book, there's my attachment to why. I'm complete right now, just as I am. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing missing, right, Michael? No, nothing missing. There's not. I don't need to read. I mean, you could read, but you're not reading, looking for answers. Right, right. I I love conversations, though. No, it's good.
0: it's good. I love that. I think this the mind, whatever this life here is doing, is just kind of finds this very entertaining.
2: Life is made to be experienced. It's not to not do anything. It's not to go sit in a room by yourself and become. Uh, enlightened or anything like that, it's to experience. Last year in July, I jumped out of a plane with my kids. I, yeah, it was it was amazing, you know. It was intense. I'm not a thrill seeker or anything, but it was intense. And once you do it, okay, it was beautiful. You go on vacations, you enjoy the vacations, but there's no end to a means. Every moment is experienced in the present. There's nothing else.
0: Yeah, I usually say you are the destination. You are everything. Yeah. This is the destination. There's no place to go.
2: And one day it ends.
0: Yeah, there's the experience in the human body. Yeah, because it's conditioned, like you said. Yeah, Then.
2: Right. So what I always say to people, if you go to the doctor, say, and the doctor says you have 365 days to live, at that point you have a choice. Do you want to die once or 365 times? But at that end of that time... It's done. The only thing I, I haven't experienced, but I say this a lot because I've seen it with people who are dying, is they seem to detach because I think they really do come to the understanding of how meaningless their life was. What did you hold on to all that time? Whether you were the richest person in the world, the best golfer in the world, you wrote 10 books, you helped a 1,000 people, at that point, it's done. So except for your story, what do you holding on to, because it's going to go. So the thing is, is to let go now, or let go then.
0: Yeah, I like the, uh, I heard this before, to die before you die. That's the whole right,
2: Right. And the the thing to
0: die is the eye. That's right. The eye, it's not there anymore. So you're free.
2: You're free. There's no death actually anymore. That's the whole point of my teachings. It's not that I'm not human anymore. It's not that My life has changed so much. The difference in me today is there's less attachment. And the less attachment there is, there's an underlining piece in my life, no matter what happens.
0: I love that, Michael. So I come across the attachment, which I'm attached to my husband, like love, uh, the personal love that we attach to people. Uh, but this is part of the experience of life, human connection, this is the dance, the play. How do we suffer less when that play uh, ends?
2: Right. It's like when my mother died a couple of years ago, my sister said to me, you were so at peace through the whole proceedings. After the people were drunk, they reaching for alcohol, or, because that's all part of the conditioning. Because I was just with the experience. I'll never lose the love for my mother. So it's all the attachment. It's the story of love. When you truly love, there is no story. There's just love. You don't love your husband more than you love a stranger. But it's because of the attachment that the more history you have with something, the more ingrained the attachment, the more you're likely to suffer. But when you can understand the true nature of energy, the true nature of existence, and the value of the teaching of impermanence, that everything will pass no matter what it is. It allows you to be freer to truly love instead of putting conditions on it and using it as a, a mind-based existence, a mind-based love or a mind-based Caring, or it doesn't mean that if when your husband passes that you won't cry. It's nothing about that, but it's just that you you're not going to go on and on. You're not going to attach, and what happens is is you just go through the natural process of life. You don't want to push anything away or pull anything in. Therein lies your peace.
0: Wow. Yeah, I don't really like the idea of. When we understand deeply what life is about, we just become immune to emotions and we don't feel anymore. And now we're just so peaceful that we detach from everything and everyone. Yeah, that doesn't happen, right?
2: What happens is, is you just don't attach to it. My, my article today was idol attachment because right. everything that you attach to becomes your idol. And, and then they said, well, the emotional attachment is the cause of suffering. No, it's not. Mm. it's the attachment to i true yeah you're not trying to push your emotions away whatever arises arises be with it. it it would be inhuman to think that if somebody that you spent 40 years with died or somebody that brought you into this world they died and and then all of a sudden you have no emotions and well that's just the way life is yeah well good luck with that
0: Mm, Right. I'm very interested in um, somehow putting this out there, this message of love, unconditional love for life, so we can uh, navigate through that experience of what we call death of the body in a more peaceful way. Because that seems to be like a social agreement. Everyone expects you to really grief and suffer deeply and cry all the time, become depressed even. If, If somebody you've attached to, you loved, just best. How do we uh, point to this direction of inner peace of unconditional love and acceptance for life? Right.
2: The, one of my most valuable articles to me anyway and I use it a lot. It was I sent it to you bodily presence That one is it, and and I'm just gonna read it a little bit. The mind is usually everywhere but in the present moment. The body is a great anchor to use in a sitting practice because there's no way it can't be in the present moment. So that is the key is don't allow the mind to control you. That's what you're doing when you're developing discipline. You're not pushing anything away or pulling anything in. You're just being with what's there. But because you have this deep sense of what is really going on, when you start to sit and use the body, because the body is always present, you just naturally understand things. You naturally understand impermanence. It's not an aha moment thing. It, it's going to take some discipline to truly allow the mind to settle so you really understand things. You know, That's why I write. I write to point. That's all I do. I write to point people to really look inward, uh, to look at yourself. Stop looking outside yourself. You know, what is it that makes you do what you do? Why, why do you want to suffer? Is, is it beneficial for you to carry on over and over and over when somebody dies? Where's the benefit?
0: Mm, we should ask ourselves that question. Yeah.
2: Where's the benefit? Our society is a little, a little crazy. Who do we have the funerals for? They don't know that you're there. What do we have these three day funerals for and all that the grieving process I I know the pay respects and everything but is it truly beneficial to do that you never lose the love you have for a person in your heart My father died years ago. I love my father as much today as I did when he was alive
0: uh, so in a way like lives on love love it's love it's um, because it's energy yeah, it's always there the
2: the the energy that they transmitted to you never dies you're transmitting that energy to me i'm transmitting that energy to you we're transmitting that energy out there to the world to our kids that's how the world is going to change that doesn't die that energy so the more that we can come from a place of love a place of stillness instead of trying to manufacture love but allowing it to just be allow the energy to just flow. It's really, basically, it's awareness, aware of awareness. That's what it comes down to.
0: So briefly, Michael, can you just explain, describe what the four principles of the conditioned mind understanding, what is it exactly?
2: Well, the understanding is it's vital, a vital building block to the other principles, because without understanding what you're truly up against, the conditioning will remain in control. So if you don't understand why you suffer, it it just remains hidden. If you don't sit and allow the mind to settle and stop reaching for things, stop looking out there for your answers, there's no way that you're going to see truth. And it's not my version. Like people say, well, that's your version of truth. I don't have a version of truth. Truth is truth. If it's your version of truth, it's not truth.
0: Huh? And then in Buddhism, they say that life is suffering. That is like one of the first things that they would teach us. It comes from the conditioned mind. That's what they mean, really.
2: Right? Because here's a thought. A thought comes in. Okay. That thought has no power until you attach to it. Now you have just given it energy. That's where the true understanding comes in, to understand mm. that
0: point. Because thoughts are formed. They're formless, but they, they can become
2: formed through you. <laughs> yeah. right. right. That's exactly what happens. That's why good and bad, I don't use good and bad either, because good and bad is a label. When you start labeling, ooh, chocolate ice cream, good. Ooh, sauerkraut, bad. But those things don't inherently have good or bad to them. And what you're stating isn't truth because not everybody sees it like that. Some people like sour cream. Some people don't like chocolate ice cream. But that's all the mind. That's all the conditioning. But the thought arises. And now you attach I to it and you just have given it energy. You don't attach I to it. Thought just dissipates. The more you do that, the freer you are.
0: Very good point, right? You have to be at
2: that place of understanding life. You need quietness. That's where the sitting comes in. Because if you don't, that's where you'll be distracted by the distractions of your distractions.
0: Oh, my God. And the good and bad, this analyzation, this judgment... Uh, it's very easy for us to do because violence is considered unpleasant or a bad thing.
2: The mind is a pleasure seeking machine. This is how subtle it is. It's diabolical, really, to condition life. Because it, it's so hard to truly get quiet enough to see this. But it's a pleasure-seeking machine. Think about this. How many times in your life have you done something and said, why did you do that? Do you realize the same, the mind that told you to do that is the same mind that's questioning why it was done?
0: Yeah, it corrupts everything. That's right. It's insane. Yeah, it is.
2: It's learning to understand your own mind. When you mm-hmm. understand that, you control the world. The world will still do what it does, but without attachment, it doesn't control you. That's true freedom.
0: Yeah, because now you're not judging personally. The person is not there. Yeah.
2: You're not a puppet on a string. That's my favorite line. I used to be controlled like a puppet on a string. What you're learning to do is cut the strings, the strings of society, the strings of the conditioning.
0: It's an agreement, contract. <laughs> Everybody agreed. They agreed to something. This re- relative reality, dualist, dualistic reality. We just agree.
2: Whatever it is, but that's what you do. You, look, the thought comes in right here. The thought comes in to eat chocolate ice cream. You have to agree with that thought to eat that ice cream. And that's
0: funny. It could be anything. That's even healthy, like exercising.
2: Anything yeah. you can get attached to anything. Anything that's. That's why there's nothing, nothing inherently good or bad about it. I work out, I, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape for a 61 year old person, but I'm not attached to it. So I, I don't label it as good as bad, but it, it's beneficial for me, it puts me more in cooperation with life. I, I love that.
0: So understanding attachment we talked about earlier, it's pretty clear, realizing, is realizing the same as being aware, as awareness?
2: Well, realizing is is a deeper understanding of why one thinks, says, and does what they do. That happens uh, in principle three, that's the third principle, when there's a realization of your behavior, you know, how, how you act and how it's not beneficial to you. Once you start realizing that, that's when you can start to change it because it's not controlling you. Without that realization, it has to control you. Yeah.
0: And the fourth uh, principle, practice. It's putting everything together.
2: That's the sitting. That's the sitting. That's what puts everything together. The the four principles allow something tangible to be held onto so you can see how sitting helps the mind settle down.
0: Wow. Do you have like a vision? If we are all in this state of mind of clarity and quietude within how would this relative reality be?
2: Oh, the world would be much different. If people took some time to really sit and understand the conditioning, we would be falling all over each other in love and helping each other instead of hurting each other and and trying to satisfy the I-self. You know, as I stated in my book, it would be so much different if the conditioning wasn't in control. But, you know, it is the way it is. And
0: right. Without um, without judgment and creating the separation, right? Like good or bad, right?
2: right? Right. There would be no separation, so we wouldn't see black or white or or his, you know Hispanic, or we would just see our humanness, our connection. You know, we don't label squirrels different, no matter where they come from. A squirrel is a squirrel, a bird is a bird. A, but we do this with our humanness because that's what the conditioning in place does. Right.
0: Wow. What do you think the purpose of life is?
2: I don't know. I really don't. I don't put a label on it just because I I have no idea. It, It hasn't been revealed to me. I try not, I don't label things too much. I don't, I don't put a purpose on my life. What happened simply happened. And I just do what's in front of me. It just allows me to remain free. Because the attachment to I is very subtle. If I start putting a, a purpose on it and what I think instead of what I experience, that's I. I think this. I, and, and I don't know that for a fact. So I really do stick with well, what is here now. And it's for me to do what's in front of me and to be beneficial to humanity instead of being uh, self-serving. You know, maybe that's the purpose, you know, I don't know, but...
0: That seems like pretty close to it. Uh, The more I think about it and I talk to people about it, I see this, um, seems like this idea of the play, the dance of life is to learn and then unlearn. It seems like this is the play and it's supposed to be fun, supposed to be joyful. Once you understand that it's just a play, dualistic play, then it uh, becomes so much more fun. There's no more judgments.
2: Well, yeah, that's uh, that's the key, you know. Enjoy life because this isn't a trial run. You don't get a second chance, you know. That that we know anyway, you know. Even if you're reincarnation, I don't really know about that. But if if it happens, you don't really know about it. So it's just experience life and. And learn about your conditioning and learn to do what's more beneficial to yourself and to others. And and life is so much better. I mean, my life is so much better the last 12 years than it was. Not that anything was wrong the the first years of my marriage and everything. But there's so much more peace now. And mm. that's what you can give to others when you have it. But you can't give what you don't have. That's true. And
0: it seems to me like joy, this state of uh, detached um, happiness, is connected to inner peace. Yes. Yeah, it's, I see that. Um, yeah, yeah. There might be a very good, there's no really destination, but a, a good one
2: if there is one. Yeah, instead of manufacturing happiness or joy... Just learn to to be with what is and and joy simply arises.
0: Absolutely. My final questions. I have a few final questions for you, Michael. What is another word for life?
2: Existence, I would say.
0: What is the biggest cause for human suffering?
2: The attachment to I.
0: What is another word for healing? Presence. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself?
2: That I was complete as I was, or as I am, and I I didn't need anything else to be complete.
0: How do you define success?
2: By inner, by my inner peace.
0: If you knew you would lose the body soon, would you change anything about your life?
2: Not one thing.
0: Wow. Do you have any beliefs, any ideas of um, life after death?
2: No, I don't. I don't really go there too much.
0: Hmm. What are three things about life you know for sure as of today?
2: The three things I know about life for sure is that in the present moment is the only place that life exists. And the more that I develop discipline to be in that moment, the more... I'm naturally in tune with life, and then what happens is, is the more love I emit to others.
0: It has been a great conversation, very genuine, open, just. Um, yeah, it was a flow. Thank you so much, Michael. I yeah. felt it.
2: I really appreciate it.
0: Really great. Thank you so much. Where can we find more information about you, your work, your books, services?
2: I have a, a website www.mondayinyourmind.com, and there's a lot of valuable information on there. And I also have a WordPress blog, Monday in Your Mind. A Facebook. I have a group and and my own personal Facebook page where I write an article every day. Like I, I was telling you before, I've written over two thousand articles. You know, and, and they're just pointers to point you to look within, to discover within yourself what your blocks are to true happiness, to freedom, you know, to see the conditioned mind for what it is and to learn to let go and to really enjoy life as it unfolds, (laughs) not as you think (laughs) it should be.
0: So true. Thank you so much again. And I'll talk to you soon.
2: Thank you, Val.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Michael Kupo, Please visit his website, mondayinyourmind.com. To learn more about this podcast, please
0: visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.